This is Brian Solis. I'm the author of X, The Experience When Business Meets Design, and you're listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's working in modern marketing. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today, we're joined by Brian Solis, and we're going to talk about his new book, X, The Experience When Business Meets Design, How to Design a Meaningful Customer Experience in Every Moment of Truth. Brian Solis is globally recognized as one of the most prominent thought leaders in business innovation. As a digital analyst, anthropologist, and futurist, he studies disruptive technology and its impact on business and society. Brian has authored several best-selling books, including What's the Future of Business, WTF, Engage, and The End of Business as Usual. His blog, briansolis.com, is ranked as a leading resource for insights into the future of business, new technology, and marketing. And he also actively contributes to Forbes, MarketWatch, and AdAge. And if all of that is not awesome enough, he is also the proud father of a United States Marine. Brian, congratulations on X, the experience when business meets design, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Wow. Hey, all right. Well, thank you. And my goodness, that is uh, that is a long, a long intro. Those uh, I mean, it's always interesting when you hear people um, read, read your own bio. And, and the first thing I thought of is I got to edit that down. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I love doing it. And I don't like podcasts where they say, so, uh, Brian, tell, tell the listener about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because my, you know, a couple sentences here and there. And let's get let's get to it. But no, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And, and this is uh it's a real special time for me because I've I've literally been in a cave for the last few years trying to crank this book out while also doing a bunch of research and um, traveling around talking about all that research. So this is uh, this, I am ecstatic to be uh, on online here and talking about it. Well, great. Well, I should explain to the listener that this is the most beautiful book that has been on the Marketing Book Podcast. It's <laughs> Now I say that it's a hard copy. It's like eight by ten uh, horizontally. It's got really rich photography and illustrations, and it was it was the reading the book was like watching a movie in IMAX. There was just <laughs> something different, and and then I realized, oh wait a minute, he wanted to make reading this book an, an experience, and I was like, oh now I'm on to you, Solus. Okay, great. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. So uh, the book was. Part of the challenge was writing about how do you how do you create experiences, and then this, the second part of the book's challenge, why it took three and a half years, was going back and then applying what the book talks about to the design of the book, which was sort of very meta, but also necessary because there's there's great ironies in this conversation, right? Where one, I was going to talk about the future and how it's changing and how to create experiences, uh, and I was going to tell you to do that in a in a traditional book format, and I thought I can't do that. That that doesn't make any sense, you know. If I'm if I'm talking about disruption, then I have to disrupt the whole concept of writing. A book, or what a book is in in 2016, and then here you and I are on a podcast talking about a highly visual book. So we're going to have to be very colorful and creative with our language. But the size uh, is, we could start there. It's it's modeled after an iPad Air two. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, of course, when you open the book, it's it's a little bit bigger than an Air. But yeah, I noticed the pages don't swipe when I push my <laughs> finger. 
I saw a great, a great tweet. In fact, I gotta, I gotta go dig it up because I want to share it with, uh, with everyone. It's uh, somebody, somebody tweeted that they got the book and they started reading it. Uh, they said, but they couldn't figure out how to plug it in. And just <laughs> off the size, just off the side of the book's picture, where was a power cord and a, and a, head, a headphone adapter. Yeah, you could maybe in a subsequent uh, book jackets, you could include like a what looks like a USB uh, <laughs> port. <laughs> Yeah, so you could charge it. <laughs> and then just put, gotcha. Um, so let me, let me just read one quick quote from the beginning and uh, ask uh, some more uh, specific questions. You say, experience is the most important thing in business, yet most executives and entrepreneurs neglect the value of designing experiences from the onset. They talk, build, and sell around it while still missing it. With X you will learn the importance of experience and how to design experiences. Why? Because experience is everything. Experience is human. Experience is sensory. That's why the future of branding is experience architecture. It's personal. It's culturally and contextually relevant. It's aspirational. As you read this book, you'll quickly realize that it's intended to deliver a thoughtful and intentional experience. And that's the point. So, Brian, you mentioned that it was three years in the making. Can you share with us the story of how it came about and, and who you had in mind when you were writing the book? Yeah, wow. So I could uh, hey, listen to you read that all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do your audiobook version. I think you can do better than that, though. <laughs> well, the, so the book was really written for... Originally, I, I thought anybody who works in marketing or advertising uh, or customer service uh, or product design, right? I know that sounds like a lot of people, but uh, it was because of the four moments of truth that I talk about in my previous book, What's the Future of Business? And in this a- one. <laughs> exactly, yes, a.k.a. WTF. I, I needed to continue that journey, literally, to remind people that when we talk about experience, it evokes a very personal response depending on who you're talking to. So to to some people, a great experience is great customer service. To others, it's a great product uh, and great usage. Uh, for others, it's, it's, it's great marketing and creative and things that are sort of aspirational and remind you, you know, that you're human. But all of the things are, or superhuman in some cases, but all of those things are just parts of a, an experience, right? Because an experience is everything. Uh, and it never really stops, or at least it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So when I recognize that an experience is something that you feel and you react to, I realize it could be anybody, really anybody. I mean, mm-hmm. you could be a musician, you could be a painter, uh, you could be any anybody involved in artistry or business or education. Uh, if you think about the experiences people have, and more importantly, uh, experiences people have and share, it sort of changes. It changes everything. Mm-hmm. So, so the book ended up becoming because of that. Uh, it needed to become a lot more approachable. Uh, and for anybody who's who's read my research, a lot of times, it, I mean, I don't want to say it's not approachable, but it it really is focused on executives and people working uh, in specific nuances of business. Uh, and so that's what made this book such a, such a challenge is when I recognized that the audience could be anybody, I had to go back and literally rewrite it uh, and make it much more approachable, really think through the idea of experience design and, and make it uh, just 
not just approachable, but meaningful and applicable. Uh, and <laughs> my goodness, that was, I, I, I almost quit several times because to do that was, it was, it was almost impossible. Yeah, this book probably has the broadest audience within a business of any of the ones that have been on this show. In other words, a lot of the books are really very helpful and specific for maybe a CEO or a manager or a marketing person. This one goes, permeates a whole organization, you know, the HR, the customer service, the just everybody. And what my take was is that it's maybe you can describe it quickly, but this is probably one of the hardest things to do for an organization. And not to scare anybody, but the book includes real details about how to go about building this experience architecture. So can you explain what, what that term means? The closest many businesses get to uh, the idea of experiences is in the brand architecture. And that brand architecture comes to life in its imagery and its words and, and, and even in the best cases, its products. But it's not, it's not something that's actually the, the standard across the entire customer journey and throughout the life cycle. Uh, so experience architecture is just quite simply, what is the experience you want people to have in every moment, how does it look, feel, taste, smell? You know, how how does it evoke something that's bigger than any just than any one thing? Uh, and experience architecture or experience design was was really created to remind the readers that today we leave experiences to chance. You do all these great things, you hope they're great, and you put it out into the world and people just sort of react. You talk about it being like a legacy. They design their experiences based on just sort of what they've always done. Yeah, right. So I, if, I, if I create a, a hot new product and I give it to you, Doug, you're, you are going to have a reaction, right? And, and those, those reactions are going to be great. They're going to be meh. They're going to be bad, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But we leave it to chance mostly, right? We just hope for the best. And I think today the idea of experience architectures, I, the, I wanted the reader to know, we need architects for this. You actually have to design it and you have to build it. And, and every moment of truth, you have to reinforce it. And it all has to add, uh, add up to something purposeful and meaningful and cohesive. And that's, that's what an experience could be, is it's something that is, is, is desired and, and, and anticipated uh, and shaped. And that, that's when business becomes personal again. That's when business becomes something far greater than us versus you or you versus us. Mm-hmm. It's something that we do together. Yeah, and you, you can be intentional about it. You should be intentional. You can actually engineer this. <laughs> and you give examples of companies, you know, like, for instance, Virgin Airways or... Uh, Disney or some of the others were, and I'm sure there's other smaller ones too. Let me add something, one of my favorite lines from the book that puts this perhaps in a little bit more context, and that's when you say, one of the most profound things I've learned is that how you make people feel is the currency that consumers exchange to inform their decisions. And you also go on to say that more than 50% of customer experience is subconscious, or how the customer feels. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, we don't I don't think we take it. We don't use enough of that in terms of emotion in business. I mean, some of the best businesses do, but it it also it's a word that's probably not appreciated in in the boardrooms or in the back offices, you know, around around the world. Uh, but 
it is it's so true, especially in a connected society, when people are on the go and they and they live in these rapid moments where they need to make decisions or they need to be influenced or they're influencing other people, is that the experiences people have, they share, they publish. Uh, you know, and rarely do you get uh, as much love as you do as much uh, uh, the opposite, I guess, uh, because it's easier to 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 share that in the moment. But we have to design the types of experiences that people f- want to share, so that they are influencing the impressions and the perceptions and the decisions of others in real time. Because you can't scale this by yourself, but you, people can't have desired experiences if you're not designing them mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. And. I guess for anyone that's uh, wrestling with this, and you mentioned the boardroom, it was very interesting in the book. You talk about this Bain and Company study that was uh, profiled in the Harvard Business Review, and it was 362 companies, and 80% of those companies believed that they were delivering superior experience. But in truth, only 8% were actually doing it. And so then they stepped back and said, well, what are these 8% doing? And they, they took a really broad view of the customer experience. The other 92% were just kind of turning to product or, or service design. Does, does, do, do studies or facts like that sometimes get the attention of these folks that are saying, wow, this might actually impact revenues one day? <laughs> for, for the smarter ones, it does, right? <laughs> if, you, if, if you look at leadership, leadership because I believe this is a time in business and in, and in, and in life in general that we need greater leadership and less management, right? Because we're we're managing to to yesterday's standards and mm-hmm. not the way that the world is changing. And leadership often gets caught up into a role of inspiration and motivation. So while we while we need that, we also need the type of leadership that has vision. I think Steve Jobs had once said uh, in his return to Apple, I think in 1997, said that. The the biggest secret to success, or I'm paraphrasing, was that you had to have a, a grander vision of cohesive cohesive products and experiences that start with the customer in mind, customer in mind, because it wasn't about any one sales of one product line. It was how all of those things added up together to 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 affect your bottom line. And there's a lot of study out a lot of studies out there that show that any company that focuses on a higher purpose will always outperform businesses that focus on the bottom line. But the challenge is is that to get any executive or anybody to see the world differently, you have to get them away from the routine, right? The mm-hmm. routine of looking at quarterly quarterly earnings or, you know, P&Ls, you know, making decisions based on shareholder and stakeholder value. Uh, these are things that kind of get in the way of experiences because they don't they don't see it as not delivering the customer experience. They see it as delivering who their customer is a lot of times, mm-hmm. which are the people that they report to or that are advising them. And it becomes a little bit of a challenge. I joke and say, I tried to be creative once, but I got stuck in meetings all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing to keep from crying. <laughs> but this, this is, you know, they don't believe that they're doing the wrong thing. And I, I want to give them credit for that. They're, they're doing the job that they've been conditioned and trained to do. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is this book that I'm hoping to, to maybe use that leadership approach to inspire them to say, all right, look, yes, we might be profitable today, but I bet you that there's a, there's there are ways that we can do this better 
and over the long term that grow those profits. Because as I, sh- I'll, I share a bunch of studies that say for the proactive thinker uh, in business or anywhere is that people who know or think they're going to get a better experience will pay more for stuff. So you don't oh, absolutely. Have to- I'm guilty yeah. of that. Yeah, me too. You have to get caught up in the price game or the the the, the margin game. You get caught up in the experience, the world of experience. But look, I'll tell you the same thing. I didn't publish it in the book, but I've also I've also done studies where if you look at executives who think that they're giving employees great experiences through employee engagement programs, and then the level of employees that think that they're getting great experiences, it's the same thing. It's the majority of executives think they're doing a great job. The majority of employees don't think that they're doing that that they're getting uh, engaged and inspired in the way that they want to work. So you have disconnects in in the customer uh, in customer markets and employees internally, and this is all starting to 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 go along a very dangerous path that I call digital Darwinism. Mm-hmm. So at some point, they are going to recognize that they're not on the right path. And it's at that point where you have to start reacting. And when you start reacting, it's because of an uh-oh moment. And <laughs> that that's never good. Uh, and so th- what we're trying to do is compete for the future today uh, by doing things that might seem counterintuitive uh, or maybe not not even as important, but I think companies like Apple and and Disney and Lego uh, and Sephora, they're all starting to show us that, yes, you have to not only make investments in the future, but you have to change the infrastructure of your business to do so. Uh, and they're they're coming up with new models and new processes and new systems. They're 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 re uh, reconfiguring departments to not be disparate, but uh, joined uh, because they recognize that any one of these departments that touch the customer experience should not be working in isolation. They should be working together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want to I want to get up on on whatever highest mountains I can and 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 online everywhere to 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 remind anybody who reads this book is that change doesn't always come from the top. In fact, it rarely comes from the top. Change is something that can come from the middle, and we need a new generation of leaders, people who read this book and people who 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 believe that. That people matter more more than 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 stakeholders and shareholders. That if you can deliver to people what is a great experience, everybody wins. Mm-hmm. One part of the book, you say the secret ingredient. Now listen up, listener. The secret ingredient for creating any meaningful experience is empathy. <laughs> you say that in the book that if you empathize with customers, what you'll see through their eyes will surprise you. And, and just putting that in the book amazed me. I. I my personal experience has been is that is such a hard thing for companies to do. You know, <laughs> empathy is uh, it's I, hard. I, I often say that empathy is a is a gift worth getting uh, and giving. Uh, I think the closest that a lot of folks get is sympathy, <laughs> like they could relate to it. But empathy is a far more personal and and deeper process of really understanding. Uh, especially the experience that people have, uh, because you actually are the people you're trying to reach, and this is really important. Uh, I, I call it the the undercover boss moment, uh, where if you if you watch that show, mm-hmm. there's it's it, even though it has the same ending every episode, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that moment. It's a gift of gift of empathy, yeah. where an executive. Basically says something along the lines of uh, I I forgot what it was like you know to be an employee or a customer because they had to spend the the previous week going through these crazy scenarios where they hid their role uh, and became the customer and became the employee and it's it's uh, 
well, it's it's just incredibly human. It's 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 incredibly emotional experience, and and I promise you that in most of those cases, the business, the business always changes, and it has to, and that is because of empathy. And you recognize just just in one quick example, a lot of our customers today are mobile first customers, and they use apps that teach them and condition them that they are. They are the most important thing in, in, in the world, that they can get anything they want, when they want it. If they say anything, people react. And they're starting to learn that every business should be like the apps that they use. Yet, a lot of businesses don't think about technology in that way. They, they have a legacy infrastructure. They're desktop first. Their websites are still mm-hmm. active like we're in the 1990s. And they're, they're, they're not recognizing that these things are absolutely critical in the new decision-making cycle. So they're, they're already becoming relevant because they're not placing great emphasis on the, on the empathy of what it's like to be your customer or the empathy of what it's like to be your employee today. And they have to change that. They have to step out of their comfort zone and recognize that the comfort zone of the future is in a state of not being comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's by it's by understanding and appreciating how people are different, and also understanding and appreciating how the experiences that they have are different than what you think they have. And <laughs> every time, <laughs> exactly, and changing for that matter, because we're not going backwards. Yeah, yeah. My sense is that people who read this book are going to be inspired. Uh, terrified or encouraged or all three. Because <laughs> this is—it's like you're grabbing companies by the lapels and saying, "Guys, come on! It's 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 a it's a whole new world out there." If readers took only one thing away from the book, Brian, what would you hope it would be? I hope that it would be that they recognize they are the ones that can bring about the kind of change that we're talking about, that they're inspired to go do the things that they just read about. Because if they're waiting for leadership to come and tell them that that this is something we need to do, then they're on the wrong side of innovation. We need, yeah. we need people, everyday people, who are, are, believe in the importance of not just experiences, but just in the importance of, the, of, 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 of people in general, human beings yeah. that, that, are, that are just really trying to do what they're trying to do in life and they don't need businesses or education or any of these things that are sort of predating them in terms of how they want to learn or work or share. What they really need is, is just empathy and consideration and innovation based on how the world is changing and how experiences are changing along with it. And I would argue, I would add to that, that those people that aren't waiting for permission to go be that change are the ones that are going to be in charge. Exactly. Are there any other contemporary marketing books you would recommend to the listeners? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, if they go to xthebook.com, I, I have a whole listing of, of the books that I, I, I love. But the one, the one that still to this day sticks to me, uh, and I reference it in, in, in X, is uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, it's, a, it's a book that I think written in the 1930s that reminds us that people people should matter and that you have to remember that the whole art of anything is relationships and in a digital era you can't you can't have relationships with people you don't understand mm-hmm. it's probably <laughs> even more important now exactly the name of the book is x the experience when business meets design how to design a meaningful customer experience in every moment of truth the author is Brian Solis Brian thank you very much for being on the marketing book podcast ah oh, thank you so much 
And that closes the book on the 54th episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. But please don't let the end of this episode be the end of what you can learn about modern marketing. Visit marketingbookpodcast.com for show notes, free resources, and guides. And while there, be sure to join the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And if you love the show, please do me a favor. Open up a browser on your phone or computer and type in love.marketingbookpodcast.com. That's love.marketingbookpodcast.com. That will generate a pre-formatted tweet with a link to the show that you can share with the world. And you'll get a personal thank you from me for spreading the love. And please join us next time as we talk to Joseph Jaffe about the book he has co-authored with Martin Alvarda, Zero Paid Media as the New Marketing Model. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. It's it's strange. It just last showed me that you were offline. Come back. Am I that boring? (laughs) I don't know.